You know, this whole thing was easier when Detroit was just the lovable losers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, previewing Packers versus Lions Thursday night football. It all kicks off like 27-ish hours from right now. So, big, big game for both teams. Both teams 2-1. and one. Both teams coming off of large victories in very, very different ways. And today, we're going to take a look at the Detroit Lions, seeing what it is that they do well. But don't they do well yet? Where have they massively improved over last year's team? And also some interesting little nuggets, not to mention their injury report, which is like as long as the Packers, which that doesn't bode well for either team. Before we get to the Lions, though, I just have one quick thing to say. Last night, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to go meet Jerry Kramer at the Packers Hall of Fame. He was doing a special presentation, basically just a history night with Jerry Kramer. It was emceed by Wayne Larravee, and Kramer told some of his best stories from his playing career and since, what it was like getting into the Hall of Fame even. And then, of course, we had the opportunity to take a picture with him, get something signed, etc. But the overall thing that I took away from it, besides the laughter of hearing Kramer speak, if you've never heard him, he's an incredibly funny individual while being quite charming, is... We, no matter our age, have to take up these opportunities. Look, the Lombardi years are the foundation of what made the Green Bay Packers what they are. Obviously, did it found the team? No. But did it set the standard, set the stage for how the Green Bay Packers still operate in several different ways? Yeah, it did. And we're now 60 years after the Lombardi era. So many of those stories told by Jerry Kramer at this event were the kind of stories that are the foundation, the kinds of stories that don't get written in a book, the kinds of stories that really only get passed on from person to person. You know, and so I just would say, like, if you have the means, if you have the opportunity, I don't mean to be morbid or sad or whatever, and it certainly isn't a critique against the human that he is, but it's not exactly like Jerry Kramer is going to be doing this for 20 more years. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. But in all likelihood, probably not. And so, as Packer fans, if we have the means, if we have the opportunity, if we have the time, we got to go. We have to go seek these opportunities out and listen to the legends who made what we love today talk and hear their stories and laugh with them. So, let's talk Lions Packers. First of all, injury report. It's lengthy. For both teams. Let's start on the Lions side of things. They do have a couple of guys that are out with long-term absences. One is Chauncey, Garden, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Their safety, he's on IR. James Houston, their edge player, he's on IR. Jameson Williams still serving his suspension. But then we also have a number of actual just regular old injuries for the Lions. Out in this game is going to be Kabita, their fullback, Matt Nelson, their swing tackle, and Vitae, their starting guard. Questionable is Taylor Decker. Uh, Jackson, their guard, Kirby Joseph, the safety, who is kind of Rogers kryptonite last year, David Montgomery, the running back and Emmanuel Mosley, the cornerback. Now I did post a little something about this. I said, that means that from that injury report, Nelson, uh, Vitae, Decker, Jackson, all those guys, that's 60% of the Lions starting offensive line, either questionable or out. Plus their swing tackle in the form of Matt Nelson, plus their fullback 
that's a lot of blocking that's potentially out for this game. And as soon as I posted that, I had a few Lions people like jump right onto my tweet and be like, well, see, actually, Taylor Decker has the questionable tag and it certainly looks like he's going to play. David Montgomery looks like he's going to play. In fact, Dan Campbell said earlier this week that he's feeling better and better about both Decker and Montgomery being able to play in this game. Supposedly, Jackson, the guard, he suffered a stinger in the last game, but eventually finished the game. So even though he got a questionable take, it's certainly seeming likely that he's going to play. So while it is a very long injury report, maybe it's not quite as drastically bad as it appears at first glance for the Lions. Similar story with Green Bay. Out for this game, left tackle David Bakhtiari. I know you're frustrated. We'll talk about it at a different time. I get it. Elton Jenkins, left guard. He's out. Zane Anderson, depth safety special teams ace, out. As well as Devondre Campbell, the inside linebacker, out. Of those outs, frankly, obviously Bach and Jenkins, they're very bad. We don't want them out. But this is one matchup where I really wanted Devondre Campbell. And I'll talk why in a bit. But the Lions are a team you have to be very sure tackling against, especially if David Montgomery's playing. They're, they want to ground and pound on first down. Campbell would have been a very nice asset to have in this game. So that is that's a big loss and shouldn't be missed in amongst all this other injury news. On the questionable side of things for the Packers, Jair, Jones, Watson, Tom, and Carrington Valentine all getting the questionable tag. Now we did hear yesterday from Romeo Dobbs that 33 is going to be back because the Packer players in the locker room just discuss these things now, apparently. So Dobbs letting it swim that Aaron Jones is expected to be back. Christian Watson, when he was asked about his injury, Watson said, that's the plan. I'll be back. So we'll see. Jair, we don't know. Tom, we don't know. Valentine, we don't know. We can just obviously hope for the best. So very, very lengthy injury reports on both sides. However, maybe not as doom and gloom for either side as initially presented. And the NFL kind of did a little bit of that to themselves by getting rid of the probable tag a couple of years ago. But like, I digress. Now. For the Lions, they're 2-1, and one, much like your Green Bay Packers. They've assembled wins against the Chiefs and Falcons with a singular loss to the Seahawks. Their overall point differential on the year is a positive 9. They're coming off two straight games at home. And we all know the deal with the Lions at this point. These are no longer the lovable losers. These aren't automatic wins as they used to be years ago. These are not your grandmother's Lions. Well, they're not as good as some of those old teams. This is a different Lions team, okay? The thing is, they've got an explosive offense. They're capable of ground and pound, but they truly have an explosive offense. They're still favored to win the division. Oh, and by the way, they learned how to defend the run, something still actively being processed in Green Bay. So we know the deal with this team. Let's dive into the numbers and see just how legit they are. First of all, they're coached by Dan Campbell, the knee biter himself. 14, 22, and 1 uh, is his career record with the Lions. Offensive coordinator would be Ben Johnson. As I was going through their offensive staff, I also, like, I got surprised by something, too. Their quarterback's coach is Mark Brunel. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, the former Jacksonville Jaguar quarterback from the mid-90s, the guy who was drafted by the Packers. Mark Brunel is the coach in charge of Jared Goff right now. I just found that interesting. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Aaron Glenn is their defensive coordinator. And frankly, if you go up and down this coaching staff for the Lions, you see a certain emphasis in the hiring practice of hiring former NFL players. Aaron Glenn fits the bill. Mark Brunel, Antoine Randall L is on their coaching staff. Several of their coaches were former NFL players. Just something interesting, again, that I noted. 
So what big changes were there? We know that the Lions beat the Packers last year in the final week of the season, kept the Packers out of the playoffs. We know that. So how are this year's Lions different than last year's Lions? Well, for one, they made a couple of free agent signings. One of them was running back David Montgomery coming over from Chicago. They also brought back wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr. Signed corner Emmanuel Mosley, who is questionable for this game. Signed Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from the Philadelphia Eagles. One of the larger offseason signings for the Lions, who now, of course, is not going to play since he's on IR. Who did they lose? Well, they lost DJ Shark, wide receiver. He signed with Carolina. Jamal Williams, former Packer. He, of course, signed with the Saints. Deshaun Elliott's gone. Mike Hughes, gone. Two losses out of their secondary. But then the Lions had an incredibly productive draft. You can question the methods of the Lions when it comes to the draft because you could make the easy argument that a number of these players were overdrafted or drafted earlier than consensus thought that they should be. However, to this juncture, three weeks into their career, there is no denying that these players are also making large contributions. Their first pick was running back Jameer Gibbs, who to this point has a near equal split with David Montgomery in terms of running back work. Inside linebacker Jack Campbell was chosen. Nickel corner safety secondary dude Brian Branch was picked by the Lions as well. And he is having a massive impact in the game to this point. He's routinely coming up with stops, tackles for losses, and just regular good old tackles out of that nickel cornerback spot. We talked extensively about Brian Branch's offseason, especially given the Packers' deficiencies in safety. And realistically, Brian Branch is appearing in the NFL everything that it looked like he could be. We know he was off the Packers' board because of athletic testing, but the Packers could have used Brian Branch. And he's making large impacts and is a very big reason why the Lions have figured out how to defend the run. Also drafted by the Lions was tight end Sam Laporta, who through three weeks is actually one of the most productive tight ends in the entire NFL. Not just for rookies, not just in the division, not just in the conference, entire NFL, one of the most productive tight ends to date, Sam Laporta. So let's take a look at their offense, obviously quarterbacked by Jared Goff. They allow roughly one sack per game behind one of the best offensive lines in football. And a word about their offensive line. You know, Green Bay has suffered injuries to Bakhtiari, Jenkins. You know, Tom was out for a few plays last game. But the thing with the Packers is we've talked about how they realistically have on their team four tackles capable of starting in an NFL game. Right. And then if you get into guards switching the tackle, like if you include Elton Jenkins in that list, or if you want to give it to Caleb Jones, like then the list is even longer. The Packers depth at offensive line is absurdly good. The Detroit Lions are very, very similar. So I made note earlier about there being like 60 percent of the offensive line on the injury report. Frankly, it doesn't really matter. This is a Lions team that is so deep on the offensive line with Glasgow being the, the backup on the interior. Nelson was their swing tackle. We'll see. And I mean, he's out for the game, so we'll see what the plan is there. But Panay Sewell, one of the best right tackles in the game, played left tackle when Taylor Decker was out last week. This week, it sounds like he's going to be able to shift back to right tackle. This is an incredibly good Detroit Lions offensive line. They give up only one sack per game. In terms of passing, they average 269.7 yards passing per game. That's good for seventh in the NFL. In terms of rushing, that's 111.7 yards per game. Good for 11th in the NFL. And scoring, they put up 24 points per game. 
specifically when looking at Jared Goff. This is an offense that likes to air it out. He has an average depth of target of 7.9 among the above average line in the NFL. In terms of big time throws as graded by PFF, these are throws that go down the field in clutch time, whatever. He's got five of them already. That's 27% of last year's entire total of 18. Defensively, they're giving up 21 points per game. That's good for 15th in the NFL, just behind Green Bay. Passing, they give up 225 yards per game. That's 19th in the NFL. But rushing, 72 yards per game for the Detroit Lions at this point. They are the fifth best run defense in the NFL in terms of yards per game to this point. That is half of last year's terrible total. Last year, they gave up over 146 yards per rushing per game. And now it's 72. They straight up figured it out. Green Bay has not figured it out. So this is a very, very different defense to be going up against for Green Bay. They registered 2.7 sacks per game, which is a little overinflated considering that they had seven last week against Atlanta alone. But when they do get pressure, it's effective. Led by Aiden Hutchinson, they can get after the quarterback. And, and Green Bay, with especially utilizing depth on the offensive line, is going to have to be wary of their protections. And I'll get into why in just a minute. So overall, offense, defense, what does this Detroit Lion team do well? Well, they throw the ball deep and intermediate, and they do it extremely well. And they have the ability to protect Goff in order to do it. Unlike last week, right? One of the keys to last week was they want to throw deep, but they can't protect Carr to actually throw deep. And then Carr got hurt and Winston came in. The Saints, like, that's part of their cycle right now. They're stuck. They can't protect their quarterback. They can't throw a team. Detroit can. So through three games, Goff has 12 attempts that go over 20 yards. He's hit seven of them for a total of 210 yards and two touchdowns. In the intermediate part of the field, these are throws from 10 to 20 yards. He's 11 of 14 for 208 yards. 11 of 14 in the intermediate part of the field. If you want to look at their run game, it's a very solid run game. As I mentioned earlier, splits between Gibbs and Montgomery. Gibbs, a little bit more playbanker. Montgomery, the ground and pound style that we all know well from his years in Chicago. It's a complete offense, and they're capable of putting up an explosive number of points. We saw that last year. This offense has not taken a step back. In terms of defense, what do they do well? Well, they figured out how to stop the run, right? Fifth in the National Football League in terms of run defense, at least with, with regards to yardage. And what they really want to do, right? They're, they're a much better run defending team than they are pass defending team at this point, especially with their safety out, especially if Mosley winds up not playing. This is a team that wants to bottle you up on first and second down and then force you to throw it deep on third down and then willingly take their chances on we're going to stop that third and long more often than we won't. That is the style of play that they want to do. So the thinking here is bottle them up early and then stop them late. Obviously, every defense wants to do that. The Lions put more of an emphasis on it, rarely even releasing their pass rushers until third down. Now, the issue here, though, and the great flaw in the defense for Detroit is against Seattle, they weren't able to do that. Seattle was able to move the ball well on first and second down. They didn't get put in these third and long situations, which then the Lions could execute against. And that, frankly, is the key to beating this Detroit 
defense. In terms of how do you stop this Detroit offense, it ain't that easy. They're good. And realistically, it's kind of hard to say, given the injury report, who's going to play versus who's not. Certainly, you want Jair in this game to go against Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown does play a lot of snaps in the slot. And I'm not sure that Joe Barry would roll out Jair into the slot all that often anyway, considering that the depth on the boundary isn't that fantastic until they get Stokes back. But still, Amon Ross St. Brown is where your eyes need to go. The Lions have not yet, through three games, had one of their secondary receivers, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., or any of the others, really take control of that second wide receiver job. And keep in mind that Jamison Williams is out with his suspension. So the passing offense funnels itself through Sam Laporta and Amon Rosé Brown with contributions from the others like Khalif Raymond. So if you're Green Bay, the emphasis has to be on Amon Ross St. Brown. What do I expect defensively for the Packers? A very Joe Barry game. Now, I know some of you were just like, oh, shut up. That ain't good. No, what I mean is this is probably going to be a game that lends itself right into the philosophy, the core philosophy of the Packers defense. A lot of zone, a lot of not allowing the Lions to throw the ball deep. This is probably going to be a game where they even allow the Lions to run a bit at them with Gibbs and Montgomery. And the Packers are going to establish the defensive motto of bend, but don't break. Even crack a little. We don't care. We're not going to break. We're not going to let Goff beat us with a throw that goes over the top. We are not going to contribute to his deep ball statistics. And I think that that's what they're going to do, regardless of whether Jairo's out there, regardless of whether Valentine is out there, regardless of how far into the depth they got to go for this secondary. I think that that's going to be the plan. And then they are going to hope, again, without blitzing, that this pass rush featuring Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith to a certain extent, although he's been kind of absent in the pass rush this far, Kenny Clark generating interior pressure, especially if they can get him matched up against wherever the depth of the Detroit Lion offensive line winds up going. That's what the Packers are going to hope to execute against and allow their pass rush to do its work. But again, that's a tall order, given that Detroit defends or protects the pass so well. So in terms of the goods, they throw the ball deep, they throw it good. The good on defense, they stop the run. Green Bay, even with Aaron Jones back, can't run all that well anyway, especially behind this offensive line. So that's fine. Look for Green Bay to air it out. They'll still set up the run. Don't get me wrong. But I do think Green Bay is going to try to take advantage of the secondary more than they ordinarily would. So that's it. That's the game. Now for the Green Bay Packers, you're at home. It's Thursday Night Football. Short matchup against a team that you've had a lot of difficulty with in the last few years. Can you pull this out in spite of a mile-long injury report? Keeping in mind that your foe also has a mile-long injury report. The thing is, the play that we've seen from Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers over the last three weeks, can they do it? Absolutely unequivocally. Will they execute well enough to do it? I don't know. That's a much different topic. Still, though, because this is a game that they can win, I'm going to opt for it. Yeah, call me a homer. Do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going to call for it. Green Bay Packers 24, Detroit Lions 20. Close game, tightly fought game. And frankly, 
everyone wanted to crown the Bears like the new rival, right? Or like the Fields versus Love is the new rivalry for the next decade. No. If you want the truth of it, Packers-Lions are two young teams that look that they could be competing for the division for a long time. This is one of many close games that should be had over the next few years. Nonetheless, they're at home. Short week. Just let the young kids play, Lafleur. Pick up the pace on offense. Let the kids play. 24-20, Green Bay. I'll be here doing a watch party tomorrow night with Claudia all game long. And because it's on Amazon Prime, I know like it gets super sketchy about whether people have access to that game or not. If you come check out our watch party tomorrow, it will be a little bit more focused on play-by-play for those folks that aren't able to watch the game on Amazon Prime. Thanks so much for checking out Lombardi Time Brews. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I'll see you tomorrow with the watch party. And as always, go Pack Go.